Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Ramadan Mubarak to you and yours. This Ramadan, as we all gather to share a meal with our loved ones, we need to remember those in Gaza who are also gathering to share a meal with so many who aren't there that were just there a year ago. Since October the 7th, the Human Development Fund has assisted over 200,000 people in Gaza, providing them with essential aid, such as food baskets, water, hot meals, winter items, shelter, hygiene kits, and baby formula. Your generous contributions are making a significant impact, especially in Rafah. Let's sustain this momentum and continue providing crucial support during this sacred and blessed month. Please visit hdfund.org slash qalam. That's hdfund.org slash qalam, Q-A-L-A-M, to learn more about our global reach this Ramadan and choose where you'd like to direct your support during this blessed month. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this month a time of mercy, solace, acceptance, and triumph for the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And may Allah continue to use all of us as a means and never replace us. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast, benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide. And let's, all of us come together, invest into our Sadaqah Jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. All right. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wassalam ala rasulillah. وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَمَنْ وَعَلَىٰ اللَّهُمَّ إِنَّا نَسْأَلُكَ حُبَّكَ وَحُبَّ مَنْ يُحِبَّكَ وَحُبَّ عَمَلٍ يُقَرِّبُنَا إِلَىٰ حُبَّكَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّاهِمِينَ We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us His love. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the love of those actions that will gain His love. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the love of those people that He loves, inshaAllah ta'ala. Um, so we're continuing with our class. This class is based on a book by, written by Imam Muhasibi called Risalat al-Mustarshideen, or a letter for those seeking guidance. And in all of us, in our prayers, every day, all day, we say, Allah guide us, Allah guide us, Allah guide us. Because no, no matter where we are on our journey to Allah, we always need guidance, right? Um, so today is a special day for me. If I seem a little anxious today, it's because my mom is here, okay? And so I've never given a halakha with my mom here. So it's going to be a little different for me. So um, just bear with me, inshallah ta'ala. Um, so anyways, <laughs> so anyways, we're, um, my jokes might be a little different. You know what I mean? <laughs> jokes, they're never bad, but you know what I mean? Just, she's going to call me out on the way back, you know? 
So um, what was I saying? So this book is a really beautiful book because he's giving us different small gems and nuggets of, of, of advice for us to spiritually grow and move on to that next level of spiritual growth. And as I said, every one of us is on a different place in that journey towards Allah. And all of us constantly are asking Allah, Oh Allah, guide me to the straight path. Guide me back to you. I just want to get back to you. I just want to get back to you. Um, and no matter where you are, never get arrogant. Never get arrogant. Never feel proud. Never feel like, oh, I made it. Because the moment you feel like that, that's when you're done. That's when you're done. There's a beautiful story of Imam Ahmed. Imam Ahmed is one of the four Imams of fiqh, right? And he was on his deathbed and he's passing away. And the people are sitting next to him and they're saying, say, la ilaha illallah. Say, la ilaha illallah. Say, there's no God but God. There's no God but Allah. And he keeps saying, la, la, la. In Arabic, la means no. So he keeps saying, no, no, no. And everyone's like, he kind of comes back to consciousness and they're like, Sheikh, what happened? We were saying to you, say, la ilaha illallah, but you kept saying, no, no. And he said, no, I didn't even hear you. But the devil, shaitan, was telling me, you made it, you made it. You made it. And I kept saying to him, no, I haven't. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Meaning as long as we're, there's blood in our, uh, in our veins and as long as we're breathing, we have to keep struggling to please Allah and be careful of shaitan trying to pull us off the track, right? So that's what we're here. We're here so Allah can guide our hearts, inshallah ta'ala. Now regarding guidance, one of the most important things that we have to realize, and this connects directly to his advice for today. He says, his first advice for today, and write this one down, it's beautiful. He says, Exert yourself in the mashwara at the time of seeking advice or consultation. So let's talk about this. The Prophet ﷺ in the Quran, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, in the Quran, he's commanded to consult his companions. Whenever something big is happening, whenever there's something important happening, the Quran told him, like talk to people about things. And so the Prophet ﷺ taught us over and over in so many examples that no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your journey, you should never feel too arrogant from asking people for advice and seeking consultation from them. And so, and that's the first thing I want to highlight. We've all grown up trying to be independent. We've all been trained to think, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I mean, my man Qasim now tells me, oh, I can do it, don't worry. My man's like five years old, but was, I could do it, I could do it, right? We all want to be independent so much, dependent so much, that we think it's a sign of weakness for us to ask for advice or ask for guidance. And so the Prophet ﷺ is taught, and we are taught through him, that if he, sallallahu has to ask for advice from people around him, who do you think you are? Where are you at? If he could ask for, for advice, that goes to show that even for us, it's a beautiful thing for us to seek advice and to consult other peoples in the affairs that we're going through. One of the most, like the biggest moments for the Muslims was the battle of um, Khandaq. It was this moment where everyone was attacking the Prophet in Medina. And the Prophet's like, what do we do? Now look, Prophet Muhammad is getting revelation. The, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel is coming to him regularly. But Allah, God is telling him, ask the people around you. See what their opinion is. It was in that moment that Salman al-Farsi, he said, oh, I got a good idea. Why don't we build a trench around Medina? They built this trench and it was a whole story about how they were protected and all these things. But the idea came through the concept of being humble and always asking for advice. And so there's a statement that I thought was really beautiful that, 
Something that will stop you from seeking advice is you start to get impressed with your own opinion. You start to be impressed. Oh, I'm, I'm smart, yo. I'm sharp. Yo, I, I don't need to ask anyone. No, just remember the Prophet them. Stay humble and remember the, the Prophet wasallam. Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, he used to say, al-mushawara. The best helper is to have the quality of constantly seeking advice, seeking advice. Now here's the thing, who do you get advice from? Who do you seek advice from? Now I think this works both ways because as I go through this list, I'm gonna give you five qualities that you should look for for the people that you consult, the people that you talk to. But here's the thing, I think we can also look and apply these qualities to ourselves because low key people are gonna be asking us for advice too. So let's look at all five of these qualities. The first quality that you should look for in a person he goes, first of all, the person is intelligent, right? You look for intelligence. The person's sharp. They got their head on their shoulders. But there's something else. But they have experience. There was, one, there was this one elder brother, African-American brother in the, in the community up in Maryland. He saw this young scholar that was dropping gems, like knowledge. Like this person had knowledge, okay? But he's young. So he came up to that young man after the talk. I ain't going to tell you who that young man was, but he came up to the young man, right? And he's like, you got a lot of knowledge. I can't wait till your experience catches up to your knowledge. I can't wait because you're going to be on a whole nother level then. And so the point here is it's extremely important to respect experience. And y'all know in corporate experience, yo, I don't care what degree you got. You got experience, you got it, you're good. You got it. Old is gold, as they say. I mean, those gray hairs, Makare, yo. <laughs> yo, it shines, brother. I'm getting mine too. Slowly, slowly. Yo, respect the gray. Respect it. It's beautiful. Alhamdulillah. And, and, and to realize that someone has been through so much, it's such a beautiful experience to get benefit from them. So the first thing that we're looking for is knowledge, intellect or intelligence, but on top of that, on top of that is experience. Experience, experience, experience. And a lot of times with the, the older community, because they're not tech savvy, we start to, what's the word, like not value? Like, oh, just because they can't download an app, they can't update a phone, they can't do this, we're kind of like, what does this person know? But the things that you truly need in life, life skills, advice about relationships and things like that, that grandmother, that mother, man, she can give you so much deep insight into life that will save you from so much trouble and so much difficulty. So the first thing that we're looking for in a person is intellect, intelligence, and tajruba. Number two, number two quality, and we're going to talk about this quality a little bit more later on in the book. He says, number two, he says the next quality that you want in the person that you're seeking advice is that they're a person of religion and taqwa. Taqwa is an Arabic word. What does it mean? What's a good translation for taqwa? God consciousness. That's the woke translation. In the 90s, it was fear. The taqwa meant fear God. The woke translation is consciousness. And it's a good, con it's a good translation because taqwa, you know, every now and then we get ice in, uh, occasionally in the winter in here, right? Y'all know, now I'm from Buffalo, so it, I already know. How do you walk on ice? Y'all remember? Think back. How do you walk on it? Slow. Slow every step. You kind of balance that center your gravity balance. You know what I mean? Slip conscious. Slip conscious. Ooh, we got a new word. 
slip consciousness. Allahu Akbar, yo. That's heavy. Taqwa is slip consciousness. Tweet that, yo, tweet that. Yo. It's not me. It's, uh, 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 Makare said it. I didn't say it. Makare said it. Uh, so slip consciousness. I'm trying to like internalize that real quick. Um, no, slip consciousness. You, you're not going out boldly outside because you know you're like, yo, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to hurt myself. So you walk out with slip consciousness. That literally, literally, that's the best definition for taqwa. It's when you live your life conscious of God to the point where you're just like careful, right? You're like, all right, slip consciousness. Slip, you, take, you get to your destination. You get to your destination. You just get there a little slower sometimes, that's all. You're going to get to the car. You're going to get where you're going. But it just takes a little more conscious and awareness. I get there a little slower, but I still got there. Better late than never, right? So the idea is of taqwa is slip consciousness. Now, why am I bringing this up? The first quality is someone was smart and they had experience. But for me and you as Muslims, as believers in Allah and believers in the Prophet Wasallam, it's not enough for someone to just be smart and experienced. They need to have the same common denominator. They seem to have the same standard or metric, which is love of Allah and love of the Rasul. So the second quality is that we want to get advice for someone, from someone that is a person of religion and a person that have slip, has slip consciousness. Because check it, I'm talking to my, 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 my cousin or you know, my aunt about this job, should I take it? She's smart, she's intelligent, she has uh, you know, tajruba, but there's no slip consciousness. And because of that, she's not looking from that perspective. And that for me is a very important thing and for you as well. So the second quality that we're looking for people that we're taking advice from is, as we've quoted in this or uh, coined, is slip consciousness, taqwa. All right. Next quality, number three. Number three. An yakuna nasihan wududan. The next quality is that the person has to be a well-wisher for you and loving. Don't take advice from haters. And that means you got to be aware of the people that care for you the most because they're going to give advice that's best for you, not best for how it relates to them. Like a lot of times I find people giving advice and you got to be focused on the fact of whether this advice that you're giving has, is there anything reason why you're saying it for you? Do you have any share in it? So he says this person has to be nasih. Nasih means a well-wisher. They want nothing but goodness from you. Number two is wudud, love. Love. Because when someone loves you, the advice comes from a whole different place. The way your grandmother drops advice on you, man, it's got a whole different flavor on it because of the amount of love that they have. They don't want to see you go through any difficulty. Next one, number three. Number four. Ayakuna salim al fikr min hamil qatir. It's important for that person to be free-minded from worries that distract them. So, you know, like, you know, what's the hadith that tells us about when you have to use the restroom and you go to pray? What should you do first? Relieve yourself or hunger. The Prophet said, don't pray salah when you have to use the restroom. Don't pray salah when you're hungry. Why? <laughs> Come on. It's distraction. It stops your ability to connect in that prayer. So similarly, similarly, this advice here is when you're getting advice from someone, and I think this is for us too, you got to know when to say someone, 
yo, I'll hit you back. I got something really on my mind right now and I really wanna help you, but I'm not gonna be able to focus right now. Let me hit you back. Call him back. Take care of what you gotta take care of and then come. Now, life is life. They're never gonna have no worries, but there's sometimes when things are just really pressing and you don't have a clear mind. So that's what he says, number four is, you see the sheikh leaving the masjid all quick, trying to get somewhere. You're like, yo, I gotta ask you a deep question. It's like, you're gonna get what you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna get that quick, yo, I'm on a run, I'm, I'm moving, I'm going somewhere. And I think the reason this is so important is because um, there's something called transference with therapy, right? Transference is, uh, my mom just nodded, yo, she just nodded. Sorry, sorry, my mom just nodded. Sorry, for those who came late, this is my first halakha with my mom in attendance, okay? All right, so she's here, and uh, I just got one of those, like, amen joints, you know? So I'm going. I got energy now. I'm good to go, yo. Anyways, anyways, um, let me focus, 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 focus. All right. So uh, what was I saying? Transference. So what is transference? Transference is when you, as a friend or a listener to other people, have things on your heart and your mind that as you're listening to people, you're putting that onto them subconsciously. So it's so important for you when you're listening, when you're giving advice, or the person that is giving advice, for them to really, really try their best to free themselves from all their stuff to completely focus on that other person. You're never going to be completely free, but you can get rid of those major things that can become impediments from you truly connecting to the person that you're trying to give advice. So number four was what? Um, make sure that your mind is free from worries that will distract you or get in the way and from uh, like stress that just is so preoccupying of your mind uh, now I want to say something else though because we're always stressed we always got issues so I want to add something to this there are some times we're always going to be having issues in our heart all the time and if you're waiting for a moment when you have nothing in your mind to help other people, it's never going to happen. And so one thing I think is important to realize is this hadith of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Very beautiful hadith. That Allah is helping you. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Allah is helping you when you are helping another person. Now, now this is, this is uh, uh, mujarrab. Sometimes you have worries, go try to help somebody. You got an issue on your head, go try to help somebody. And you'll realize that, subhanAllah, that alleviation that comes, that, that temporal moment where you're helping somebody else. Sometimes you help someone, you hear their issues, you're like, man, I'm blessed, yo. I'm blessed, yo. Alhamdulillah. You come back to your problems with a smile, like, alhamdulillah. What issue did we have? Oh, okay. No big deal, right? But on top of that, I think there's a spiritual element of this hadith, this narration of the Prophet ﷺ, where he said, if you have issues, realize that God is helping you when you're helping another person. So I'm just trying to balance this whole idea of, oh, you should be completely free-minded when you give advice to someone. Well, that's never going to happen. Plus, the other side of the coin is I'm never going to be completely free. So I think sometimes you get a phone call. Here's the practical application. Phone is ringing. You see the caller ID. It's your boy, it's your sister, whoever. But right now you're a little stressed, you got a few issues. Now you know what we do in that case. Sometimes it's just like, you know, can I call you right back, auto respond? Because you got a lot and you know this brother is about to drop it on you. Yo, how do I handle this? How do I handle this? How do I handle this? Unless you feel flooded, 
flooded as a term, like you're really flooded, take the call. Take the call. Talk, what's going on, bro? What's going on, sister? How can, what's up? Yo, I got you. What you'll find is you're advising them, but who are you really advising? Thank you. You're like, be strong. You got this. You hang up the phone. You're like, I got this. I don't know where that came from, but I got this. So the idea of picking up that phone, responding, is you're helping, you're preaching, you're teaching, you're supporting. But at the end of that phone call, you may realize, man, I feel good now. But remember, I said when you're not flooded, because you got to know when you're at a point where you can't do anymore. And that's it for today. Today, time out. That's it. Unplug. So that's number four. Number four was make sure that the person that you seek advice from is free, clear-minded. Um, the, last, the last thing, and this is super important for all of us. Because he says, He goes, make sure that the person you are consulting has no um, share, stake in the issue. Make sure the person, and you as a consulting, like as someone helping someone, you hear someone ask you advice and it's directly related, you be like, yo, uh, you need to call somebody else, bro. Because I ain't even going to be able to give you clear advice on this. This is directly related to me. My, my, I, I can't help but be a human being. So for us, we need to realize when someone's asking me that is directly related, some of us get happy. Oh, they're asking me? Oh, perfect. You know, now they ask you, like, yeah, you need to do this, 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 and the third. The, the advice here is for us. When you realize that there's a connection to you, you need to cut off, like, I can't give you advice in this because it's going to affect me. People come to me all the time, like, should I go study at Qalam? Or should I go to this school? I'm like, why are you going to ask me? What you want? You know what I mean? Like, no, nah, no, nah, you shouldn't come here. I'm putting all my effort in here for nothing. Nah, nah, don't come. It's a horrible place. And then if I say come, it's like, oh, you, of course you're going to say that. So what do you want me to say? Right? SubhanAllah. So the idea is when you feel that, when you know this person has some relation to that issue, don't, don't necessarily go to them. Go to someone that doesn't. Now, that again, that's advice for us, too, when people come to us, be able to know. And if you're the only person that person can truly connect to, then you have a higher job. What's the higher job? Be able to, to, to compartmentalize, yo. Put that line like, all right, Mikayo, you know this is related to you. This cannot, you got to give what's best for this person. So this is the advice. Um, this is the advice. Now, Imam Mawardiyu, uh, he says one last thing I want to share, which I think is beautiful. He says, a person should never, ever think that seeking advice and getting help if it becomes known to people, will show that I lack intelligence or I'm not smart and people will stop valuing me. Let me say that again. A lot of us were like, if people know that I go and get advice from someone and I seek counsel, especially when you get put in a little position of like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're in charge, like you manage the team. So you, you got to give this front, this face that I'm always in charge. I always know what to do. So he's fighting that thought. He goes, never, ever let that thought come to your mind. Why? He says, look at it, this perspective. The goal, the goal of the advice, of the counseling, of the mashwara is to protect myself from going down the wrong track. 
What is wrong with seeking to be correct? Nothing. So that's a good quality that you have. And in fact, I would even up the ante and say, it shows your strength, the ability to be vulnerable. That vulnerability is a beautiful quality because check it, some of us don't like to be vulnerable so much so that we lie to ourselves. Some of us will be vulnerable by ourselves, but when, when I'm in front of people, I put up the face. But we start to drink our own Kool-Aid, as I say, right? We start to believe our own lies. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be like, I don't know what to do. Can you imagine, just to put this in perspective so we can go to the next one. Can you imagine the prophet of Allah, Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. The angel Gabriel speaks to him. And he looks at the companions and he's like, yo, y'all, what should we do? He's like, what should we do? Can you imagine like the munafiqeen, the hypocrites of Medina? They must have been like, oh, 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 look at guys. He doesn't know what to do. He allowed himself to be vulnerable in front of people to teach us it's okay to be vulnerable and ask other people for help. As a parent, I try to model that for my children so that they learn Baba was cool being vulnerable and not knowing the directions. You know what I mean? Baba was humble. He's like, yo, how do we get there? We got GPS now, so it's all good. You know what I mean? So they, let them, it's okay. So it's a beautiful quality for us to have, and it's a prophetic quality. And if you ever need encouragement with seeking mashwara, then realize um, the Prophet was the one who consulted his own companions in everything that he did. He had access to revelation, and he still did it. What do you have access to? So, so may Allah make us of people that don't feel that we have to solve everything on our own. May Allah make us people that are, are there for other people to help them when they feel that they have to solve thing on, things on their own and, and support them. Cool? All right, let's go to the next advice. So that was his first advice for us today. And as I said, the structure of this book is these advices aren't necessarily connected. These are just gems of knowledge that Imam Muhasibi is giving us. The next one, he says, Learn to love for the sake of Allah. Now, what does it mean to love for the sake of Allah? Many of us naturally as human, all of us naturally as human beings love things. We love people, we love actions, we love all different types of things, foods, we love so many things that we love naturally. What the believer tries to do, all of us in this room, our whole life, what the believer tries to do is to make our loves what God, Allah wants us to love. That's all we're struggling our whole life trying to do. Loving, and that's what it means loving for the sake of Allah. Loving for the sake of Allah means I want to love what God tells me to love, not what I want to love. You know why this is so important? There are things inside of you that you may have to get rid of, but if you love only for the sake of you, you won't be able to rid yourself of those things inside. Let, let, me, let me try again. Let me try again. So we're big on this self-love stuff nowadays, right? Love yourself, self-acceptance, all of this thing. Um, in Islam, we have a bit of it. <laughs> a little, like a little. But we also have self-reflection and removal of things that aren't good, good from me. I am not the standard of excellence. 
There's a standard outside of me called the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Islam, all of that. And guess what? I don't match up to it. And I'm going to spend my whole life trying to. But I'm not the standard. So with that said, there will be things inside of me that I don't love. And so that was Qasim, right? That reminds me, since my son said it, um, Hassan and Hussein, they're both the sons of Ali radiallahu anh. It's a well-known statement. And uh, they asked, they were really smart. They're smart kids, right? They're around Ali radiallahu anh and different people. So they asked their dad, they said, dad, you know, do you love us? He goes, yes. He goes, do you love our mom, Fatima? He's like, yeah. And they list, list a few people. So they said, dad, how do you love all of us when God in the Quran says no one has two hearts in their chest? So they're like, they're like, oh, how can you love all of these things? Your heart should be focused on one thing. And then they said, how do you love Allah if you love all of us? And he said, son, you missed it. I love you because God told me to love you. He's the reason I love you. He is all of my love. My love goes back to Allah. And if God told me, at first when you hear it, you're going to be like, ugh, cringy, right? Here, but just hear it. If God told me to hate you, I'd hate you. Oh, it's cringy, Mikael. What are you saying? Abraham and Ismail, go slaughter your son. Eid, 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 right? We celebrate Eid, right? We believe Abraham, the prophet, he was told, go slaughter your son. And we're like, that's crazy. And then he went to do it. And then the lamb came. The angel grabbed his arm. Whatever, right? What was, that a, what, was that a, what was he being taught there? There's only one love. And God didn't, again, it was just a test. But the, the reason I'm trying to say that is, yes, we have self-love. But we also have a concept in our religion that within each and every one of us is qualities that we want to rid and get rid of. And so there's things that I don't love that I want to love. And so I have to work to love those things as much as I can. And so here's the problem. You know when, what you truly love when, when you have to sacrifice one for the other. I'm going to say that again. Because all of us can claim love. But the only way you truly know what you love is when one is asking you to sacrifice for the other. Every halakha, I start with one dua, and you guys know it. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak. Oh Allah, I want your love. That means two ways. I want you to love me, and I want to love you more than everything else. Because when you love something or someone, it's easy to sacrifice everything else for that main love. I'm going to say that again. When you love something, it makes, it's common sense. You ever see athletes that like achieve this high goal, and like people are like, well, how'd you do it? And they were just like... Adi, it was nothing. Because the love was so high, the sacrifice just made sense. So similarly, when our love of God is more than everything else, the sacrifice just makes sense. It's not even hard. The next thing about loving for the sake of Allah, as I said, the whole deen is about learning to love Allah. That's what the whole religion is about, is learning to love Allah. The second part of this is interesting. He says, love for the sake of Allah strongly. So love Allah, love for the sake of Allah, love people for the sake of Allah, love actions for the sake of Allah. Number two, and cut off toxic things for the sake of, of Allah quickly. Listen, this is so important. Life is too short. There are toxic people around 
there are toxic things around. And when I mean toxic, I mean they're toxic to your faith, to your growth in, in, in iman and closeness to God, to your mental wellness. Part of our religion, and I'm going to say the hadith from Ibn Abbas, من أحب لله وأبغض لله. Whoever loves for the sake of Allah and hates for the sake of Allah. Now, what does it mean to hate? It doesn't mean that I'm going to harm you, I'm going to do anything, I'm going to speak ill against you, but I'm not going to allow you to keep harming me, and I'm going to separate that from me. So, waqta'fillah, I think, is so important in the time that we live in. Because everyone loves nowadays, but are we able to cut off things that are toxic to our own growth? That takes another level of faith. So learn how to cut things off for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, one thing, and it's not selfish, but evil is cancerous. It's not selfish to cut yourself off from toxic people or toxic things. Because you need to realize evil is cancerous. It spreads. So if you keep that stuff around you, it's going to eat away at your faith. And some people, misery loves company. Some people just want to bring you down with them. They just want you to be depressed just the way they are, want you to be sad just the way they are. So listen, you got to learn when to cut off toxic relationships. And it's so important. Yes, we try, we try, we try, we try, we try. But there's some times where you just got to be like, you know what? That's that. I think, and I get my mother's here so she'll know. The worst time of my life spiritually prior to Islam was due to not being able to cut off toxic relationships. And wallahi, and she'll testify to this, if I stayed with those people, I, I would not be here today. Either dead or in jail, for sure, 100%. 100%, no doubt. Getting, doing push-ups in the jail, like getting all big. <laughs> Sorry, my wife didn't like the joke. Okay, whatever. That's what you do. You know, just get for... <laughs> no, seriously, but those people would have destroyed me. And I'll tell you something even deeper. I think I told my students about this. Oh, man. Yo, don't judge me, okay? Like, when you see me outside, don't judge me. Okay. So I got, when, when, I, when I converted and got away from Islam, I mean, got away from, like, that way of life. Sorry. When I converted, um, I had this, this crew of uh, uncles. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes? They're not my real uncles. Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay. So these guys had more tajruba, and they had well-wishing for me. So I was trying to be Muslim and still be on the block a bit, right? You know what I mean? I have my subha in my hand, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? They try to hand me something. I'm like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you Muslim now? Yeah, I'm Muslim now. So why are you standing here? You know what you're here for? So there was a moment when one uncle, a group of them actually, they said to me, they said, hey, Mike, if we see you on this corner again, we're all, we're all going to jump you. Straight face, no smile. He wasn't even joking. He was dead serious. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? First of all, there was love. Yeah, 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 please, please. He knew that this environment wasn't conducive for my growth. So he, as someone that wanted good for me, he said to me, I, I don't want to see you here anymore. The next question is come with me, right? <laughs> Right? The next question, bro, you know I'm on the right track, come with me. And that's where people's emotional connections to things and all those things come. Right? So the next thing is like, yo, you know this is the right thing, come on. But that's a whole other conversation. But the fact that he said to me, I don't want to see you here anymore, to me speaks volumes because what it tells me is 
is he understood I had to cut off everything toxic that would stop my growth. And the moment I left all that behind, and there's a morning you wake up after cutting off relationships with toxic people, there's a morning you wake up and you feel a little lonely. You're like, okay. Clearing out that caller ID, killing out those contacts. You're like, okay, I ain't got, who am I gonna call? Night. <laughs> the Ghostbusters, yeah. Like, who am I gonna call? Anyways, okay, come on, I was, I was flowing, Makari, I was flowing. No, there's a moment you wake up after cutting, and that's what stops us from cutting off. It's like, who am I going to chill with? Who am I going to be with? I need these people. No, you don't. There are many people around this world that would love to be close to you, on the same path as you, has the same goals as you, has the same struggles as you. Being around those people will help you grow, and there's so many more of them in this room that have the same struggles as us. So allow yourself to cut off toxic people. Right? Allow yourself to move forward. And if, subhanAllah, this guy, this, this uncle, his heart, there's so much, there was so much purity still there that he was still able to wish well for someone. And I can't say that about a lot of people that are in our relationships. Right? He was able to be like, no, don't be here no more. SubhanAllah. That's a well-wisher. That's hub. That's love. That's true love. It's not... Uh, Matlabi, uh, it's not uh, huh? conditional love. Like, you bring me something, so I need you to be around here. So, that's the advice. Learning how to cut off for the sake of Allah is another quality of a believer. So, loving for the sake of Allah, loving for the sake of Allah, and cutting off for the sake of Allah are two qualities that a believer must constantly be aware of, constantly assessing that. Next advice. So, what does he say? He said, Quickly learn to cut things off. Life's too short. Quickly cut things off if they're not good for you for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, I think, remember how I said his book, the advices are not all connected? I truly feel that that advice is directly connected with the next advice. He says, what do you do next? After you cut off, what did I just say? The next morning, you're literally like, what am I going to do? Who am I going to chill with? Who am I going to have coffee with? Who am I going to go running with? Who am I going to go, who, who am I going to be around? So the next, next advice he says, now, hang around. Taqi, taqi. What's the word? Slip conscious people. He says, now hang around people that got slip consciousness. If you came late, whatever, whatever. Right? Who have taqwa, who have that consciousness of God. Sit in the company of scholars. Sit in the company of people with knowledge. Alhamdulillah, you guys all live in, in Dallas. And I say this all the time to people that are from Dallas. Literally, people come from all across the country to be in this, this city. Why? Because, like, I mean, come on. You got that spot, that spot, that spot. There's so much knowledge and scholars to sit and learn from. Every day of the week, literally. So, the, so hang around people that have slip consciousness. Number two, sit in the company of people of knowledge. Right? Sit in the company of people that when they speak, they increase your understanding of Allah. And then chill with people that have insight. Like chill with deep people. You know Malcolm X? I listened to one, uh, one um, speech he gave. And in his book he says this. He's like, man, after he converted and found the truth, he got tired of shallow conversations. How's the weather? You know, this, all those shallow, you know, like, 
how's your job? This, that. Like, he only wanted to have deep conversations about like life, akhirah, how do you become a better like believer? All the shallow stuff became so like, and subhanAllah, when I converted, I think that's what hit me first. Because I was ready for college, everything, converted, I was like, college? Pfft, trying to get to Jannah, yo. All, I, I need the deep stuff now. And it's subhanAllah, you grow, you come back around, you know, whatever, whatever. But at first, it's kind of like, yo, let's talk about some heavy stuff, man. What's Jannah like? Tell me a hadith of the Prophet Like, you just want that constant deep conversation stuff. So sit with people with insight. Hang out with people with depth of perception. Not just shallow, right? Hang out with deep people. Wakun and be. We're almost done, inshallah, Todd. And be a follower, a follower. A lot of us nowadays, it's about your own path. Something, you got to do something new. You, you can't follow anyone. You got to be something innovative. You got to be new. You got to do something different from everyone else, right? So he says, And then become a follower of the, the, the leaders of our past. So this is important. What this means is this. The scholars that sit in front of you and teach you, their job is to connect you back to the, the, to the heritage that we come from. I don't know if that makes sense. Let me try this again. Everything we're talking, we're sitting and reading a book from a scholar from like uh, 1400, well, 1,100 years ago. What I'm trying to do through this book is connect you to someone that left a long time ago. Not to me. My job isn't to connect you to me. My job is to help you in this situation, to connect you to somebody that came way before. That's what he's trying to teach us. And that's what my teachers did with us. They're like, let us teach you with this person, with this person, with that person. So it's about becoming part of this chain of knowledge that connects you back to the Prophet and that connects you to Allah. So, so what he's trying to say is, and this, and this will help you, you know why? Because if a teacher or someone in the present slips up, if you were still focused on the chain and going back, you're good. Let me say that again. This is very relevant. Very, very relevant. If you're focused on where you're connecting to, then yeah, it may be a little disheartening or whatever, but it won't be deep because whatever, you were connecting me to this. This book is before. Does this make sense? Is it resonating? I hope you get what I'm trying to say. This is very important. But our problem today is we focus on the person in front of us so much that if they fall, it's like our whole religion fell apart. No. That person was a link to before. And if that link breaks off, guess what? There's still a whole chain. There's still a whole connection there. So, and it's hard. Yes, it'll still be whatever. But nonetheless, I think we need to understand this on a deep level. That follow those who came before. Now, I want to say something else. The concept of modernity, right? I don't do a lot of this like East-Westernism and all that stuff, but for just for the, I think it's important here. The word like moderno, right? A little Hamza Yusuf moment here. The word moderno, right, comes from the Latin. <laughs> no, sorry. No, I'm serious. I'm not even joking, okay? <laughs> the word moderno comes from this Latin meaning of, of now. Now. And, and modernism, that meaning is so deep because it has a lot to do with worshiping the now. Like right now is the biggest moment of humanity. And each now, like 
a month from now, the future. That moment is the biggest moment, the, the most we've achieved. Now, our prophet taught us something a little different. Our prophet taught us that when prophets come, Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, when prophets come, that's the peak. And the further you get away, the more, uh, uh, not progress, but regress there is. So we don't worship the now. We have a bit of nostalgia a bit that we look back at at least character and akhlaq and religious wise. We look back and model what was before. And actually the term bid'ah means new. So we're very skeptical of the, the new. We're very skeptical of the modernal, the now, the new. And we love what's from the past, right? Now, so what, the reason I'm saying that is realizing, and it starts, it goes back to what I said in the beginning, old is gold. If you're able to connect to that previous generation, I think there's so much you can bring to your generation, right? There's so much beautiful knowledge and insight that you can bring. Um, and so uh, this is the advice that he's giving Nowadays, we're focused on the now, and it's subhanAllah, every day, you open up Twitter or whatever, it's the new, what's new? Last week is literally old. Last week is literally old. I can't keep up with the words. I gotta ask my wife, I'm like, yo, what's, I say a word, she's like, yo, that was literally last month. I was like, dang, yo. Just keep me, keep me like, whatever, you know? Uh, so anyways, the worship of the now is what we see around us, and as believers in the Prophet side, them, we, it's not that we, uh, um, have nostalgia, but there is a little bit of where we look back and we're like, wow, that was the golden era. And each generation away from the prophet, it's, we're getting closer to the day of judgment. And so for us, as you get further away from him, it's not getting better character-wise, religious-wise. So our job is keep connecting back, keep connecting back, keep connecting back. That's the objective. Okay, we're almost done. We're going to wrap up. He says, kun, so what do you have to be? Be a follower of those who came before you. And this is so beautiful. And become a teacher for those who are coming after you. Listen. Listen. Some of us in this room, you don't realize the plan that Allah has for you. And you're being too... Uh, you need more self-love, as we talked about in the beginning. Let me give a quick example. When the Prophet passed away, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said to his friends who were all young, we're talking 12 or something around then, I, forgive me on the exact date. Um, my student can Google it. Um, how old was Abdullah ibn Abbas when the Prophet passed away? Look that up. He said to his contemporary, his like young friends, he goes, he goes, look, the Prophet just passed away. Why don't we all go to the, 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 the elder like companions and learn whatever we can learn from them. His friends, like everyone in this room, they said, why is anyone gonna need us? Who are we? We don't know nothing. We didn't study nothing. We're just living in the same, I just live in Dallas. I don't know nothing. Like, like who are we? So guess what he did? Toxic relationship. He cut it off. He's like, all right, peace, I'm out. You find it, anyone find it? He was 13? Ah, that's what I said. There you go. So he was 12, 13 when the Prophet Sison passed away. He goes to his other 12-year-old friends, and he's like, hey, let's go learn hadith. Let's go learn everything we can. Those friends, they said, who are we? Are you kidding me? Abu Huraira's living. All these big names are living. Who are we? And he goes, 
all right, I'm out. <laughs> Toxic relationship, cut it off. So he goes and he starts studying, studying, studying. 20 years later, 15, 20 years later, he's the most knowledgeable scholar of tafsir, meaning the meaning of the Quran. And his friends who are now 40 years old, they're looking, they're still ignorant with all due respect. And they're like, oh my God, I remember the day he set out to learn. And we should have started too. We should have started too. Why am I saying that? Because he says, follow those who came before you, but then become a teacher for those who come after you. Everyone in this room is thinking like Ibn Abbas's 12-year-old friends. Who am I? Column registration is now open. <laughs> Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Sorry to kill the moment, but I had to. I didn't plan it, though. I, wallahi, I did not plan that. Imaman lil muttaqin. You have to become a follower of those before you. You have to become a teacher of those after you. Don't be like those friends of Ibn Abbas. No, you have a value. You have a value. I'm telling you. Learn, study. You'll become a teacher, a sheikha, a sheikh. Ustada, ustad. And you, like... Just do it. And then what? Imam and lil muttaqin. Become a leader of the believers. Again, you're looking at yourself now. You're like, who am I? Think of the hadith I just told you. And the last thing, and I think this is, I kind of feel like we got to a crescendo in the book. Not that it's going to get any worse. But he says these words. He goes, وَكَهْفًا لِلْمُسْتَرْشِدِينَ And that's the title of the book. He goes, and become a cave for the people seeking guidance. A cave is where you go for solitude. It's a place you go to protect yourself from the rain. It's a place you go to be by yourself and to get to know yourself. The prophet went to a cave before revelation began. He says, but there are some people that become caves for us where you can go and sit with them and for a moment recharge yourself. He's like, you can become that, become that. And that's it for today, inshallah. May Allah accept from us, inshallah. May Allah give us knowledge that benefits our hearts. May Allah guide us. May Allah guide us. May Allah guide us. Everyone in this room needs guidance. We ask Allah to guide us. To la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. We ask Allah to guide our hearts. We ask Allah to give us slip consciousness. Taqwa. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us those who help others in the moments that even when we need help, we ask Allah to accept all of our righteous deeds and make our only love His love. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin Jazakumullah khair assalamu alaykum